Would you pray with me? Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Heavenly Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would would find a welcome place in our minds. We ask that your Holy Spirit would search our hearts and find a welcome place there. That today would be a day unlike no other where we really welcome this, uh, your Spirit to challenge us in knowing who we are, our identity, challenge us in our faith, uh, and challenge us in our personal followership of your son Jesus. We just we ask that this whole morning give you all the glory. We take no credit for what you're doing. We just ask you to do it and we'll just follow. In Jesus name, everyone who agrees with that prayer said, "Amen." Hey, good morning. You can be seated. It's great to be with you. I'm joined by our fellow pastor, Zach Fox. He and I will be presenting this morning. Zach's our new student ministry pastor. Super proud of him. Super proud of him. And uh, we're in our seven-word series. This is a Bayside series that we've been, we have the privilege, privilege of writing with them. And today's word, it's our last word of this series. Today's word is Wow. <laughs> Today's word as well. The times when Jesus said, wow. And this month, this is what caused me to say, wow, this month. No exaggeration. In, it seems like it was mid-October. October, does anyone remember October? That was like a few, yeah. Anyways, our children's ministry had a vision to really do what we think is unique about adventure. To create community. And so they rented the Olympic Coliseum, right over here off Bell, and we had, from our community, outside of Adventure, we had over 200 parents and children come and play all night, or all, all it seemed like all night, indoor soccer. I was so proud of this event. It was really, because it gave people a chance to connect with our community, to serve our community. And then a week later, on, that same, on a Friday night as well, we had here in our warehouse, our goal was to have 80 people come to that event. That was Zach's big, bold goal. It really was big. He, he and I talked about it. And he's only been here four months, and we had between 80 and 100 students and parents and young adults who made that event happen, just like they did the children's ministry event last Friday night, or a couple Friday nights. Yeah, we've got students in here. Anyway, so proud because really we believe that the way we fulfill our mission of bringing Jesus hope to an imperfect world, world is through relationships. And that requires doing life in community with your neighbors and or facilitating events like that. We think that it was a big old win for us. So this is our, our today. That's what caused me wow. Let me ask you, when's the last time you experienced a wow moment? When's, when's the last time you were like, wow, wow, wow? You know, there are three ways, three approaches to life. One of them is the approach of the pessimist. And that's kind of like the people who were in the middle of, of the Sinai Desert or the Sinai Desert, the Hebrews. When they said to God, God, you only brought us out here in the middle of the desert so that we would die. That's the pessimist view. How many of you would say sometimes that's my view too? And then the other approach to life is blind optimism. Here is people astray. They say there's his era, and he says of this prophet, they lead my people astray. They say there's peace, and read this with me. 
There is no peace. You read the red, I'll read the rest. Here it is. They lead my people astray saying, peace when? Blind optimism. That's not right either. And then the, the final approach is, is, is the kind of approach you want to have. It's the approach of Jesus' most prolific worker, writer, evangelist, the Apostle Paul. And he says this, I live in eager expectation and, that's our mission, while I am going through these trials. So while he's in, in this case, he's incarcerated in, in Rome. While he's incarcerated, he's got expectation and our mission while I'm going through these trials. So he's got hope during trials. Now, let's take a moment, and I want to give you a wow test. If you've got a pen, I'm going to give you a wow test to see if you're close to wow or you're actually far removed from wow in your life. Here's the test. The first question is, are you numb? How do you know you're numb? Well, if you're like cartoonist Ralph Barton, you're you're numb if, you're, if you can resonate with these kind, this kind of language. I have had few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I've gone from wife to wife, house to house, visited great countries of the world, and I'm fed up. I'm fed up with inventing vices to fill up 24 hours a day. I'm just bored. And he took his own life. That's what we call numb. If you're numb like that, you're not experiencing any more wow. You've gotten everything you ever wanted. There's no wow left. Second test, you feel like you can't change anything. Listen to Mark Twain's script here shortly before he passed. A myriad of men are born. They labor and sweat and struggle. They squabble and scold and fight. They scramble for a little mean advantage over each other. Age creeps up on them. Infirmities follow. Those they love are taken from them, and the joy of life is turned to aching grief. It, that is death, comes at last, the only unpoisoned gift earth ever had for them, and they vanish from a world where they were of no consequence and a world which will lament them a day and forget them forever. Mark Twain. How do you know you're not experiencing well? Because you don't think that you can change anything. Finally, ready for a positive one? How many of you are like, all right, (laughs) we're good? All right, here's, you wonder if anything matters. You wonder if anything matters. Listen to, again, Jesus' co-worker Paul talk about what really matters. This is the positive of, of test of wow. Paul says this, I reckon my own life to be worth nothing to me in order that I may complete my mission and finish the work the Lord Jesus Christ gave me. Paul knew what really mattered. If you, don't, if you don't have a mission personally that really matters to you, serving your family, serving your spouse, serving your community, most importantly today, serving the Lord Jesus Christ, then you may very well feel like nothing matters. Man, yeah. So here's the question we're talking about this morning is how do we get our wow back? And so that's what Scott and I are going to be talking about this morning. And um, we're going to be going through scripture and kind of looking at there's actually three major things that in our lives that God looks at and he goes wow to. And there's kind of three big ways of how we can start getting wow back into our life. So the first one we're going to be talking about is um, hopefully encouraging for everyone in here because if you are in this room, this applies to you. And so this first one is that um, we have to recognize that we are God's wow. We are his creation. Right, we read in Genesis, um, in Genesis chapter 1, 
It says this. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And it goes on to say, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. good. You guys, we are God's wow. Right? Just the anatomy, biological makeup of our human bodies is so fascinating. Um, there's uh, this kind of big scientist out right now. Maybe you've heard of him. Um, his name is uh, Michio Kaku, if I'm saying that right. It's perfect. He has a TV show, so he's got to be someone important, right? So he's, he's kind of out there. But he says this. He says, um, the human brain has 100 billion neurons. Each neuron connected to 10,000 other neurons. Sitting on your shoulders is the most complicated object in the known universe. Say it with me. Wow. wow. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, just how who we are is fascinating. And God created us, and he goes, wow. And there's this verse, you probably have heard of it in Psalms. It's a verse I love to read because it's such a great reminder. It comes from Psalms 139, and it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. wonderful, and I know that full well, right? We are God's wow, and it's not just a wow that we're human beings, but it's that we're each individually created by God. It's wow. Um, and I know this can be kind of hard for, for a lot of us to accept, especially if we um, are coming in this morning and maybe we're struggling a little bit with some self-esteem. Um, maybe it comes every time we step on the scale. Um, yep. Maybe it comes... When we bomb that interview, maybe when we have defeats as a parent or maybe uh, defeats in marriage, whatever it may be, we, we begin to start really struggling with, with who we are. But do we really acknowledge that, that God looks at us, right, as his sons and as his daughters, and he goes, wow, I made that. They are special. Uh, if you guys are on the Internet much, you might have seen this meme uh, if you guys don't know what a meme is, it's just a it's just a picture, and someone, some clever person, puts a clever you know caption on it, and makes it's supposed to make it funny. Um, but there's this there's this meme that's been around for kind of it's been out there, and it's this cute little otter, and it's probably like a mama otter holding up this little baby, or it could be a dad otter. Don't want to hate on dads otters, but you know it's holding this cute little baby, and it's just like, and someone captioned it, "Look, I made this," because it just looks like such a proud parent showing off its child. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a parent, but um, I'd imagine for you guys that are parents, you know, that, that moment where you hold your child for the first time, it's such a, I'd imagine it's such a proud moment because you're holding that and you're just going like, wow, like this is mine, you know? And do we really acknowledge that when God looks at us, he goes, wow, I made that. They are special because if we're not willing to acknowledge that, I think we ultimately begin to kind of cut ourselves off from ever being fully immersed in the love God has for us because we're not realizing how much God really loves us. So, so here's the thing. How, how, do we, how do we recognize that we're God's wow? What does that mean for us? How does that grow us in our relationship with God? And I think, I think it just starts with something simple as this. You know, if you're, if you're having trouble recognizing that God loves you that much, that when he looks at you no matter who you are and he says, wow, I think we have to just wake up, maybe repeat Psalms 139. Wake up and say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And as you do that, it can allow you to start freeing yourself up um, to, to confidently come to God because you, know, because you know just how much value he has on you. Um, there's this awesome quote by C.S. Lewis where he says, um, he says, there's no ordinary people. 
You have never talked to a mere mortal. He says, everyone is living forever, right? Including me and including you. So what's so cool about that is this, we have to recognize that we're God's wow, and then we have to begin taking steps to allowing that value, that wow God's already put on your life to, to grow you in your relationship with God. That's great. Love that. Finding all my identity really in who I am in Christ. Exactly, yeah. Not, not what the culture says, but who Christ says I am. A child, his child, his son. Thank you, Zach. So the first, the first step in getting our wow back is recognizing that we are God's wow. Not, not only are we are God's wow, but our neighbor, our, our friend, our coworker, they're God's wow. This really would help eradicate a lot of the tension we have in our country today if we just realized, hey, of one another, they're, they're God's wow. That person I may have an issue with, they're God's wow. I may still have an issue with them, but they're God's wow. That's a big point. The second step in, in discovering uh, wow in your life or bringing back wow in your life is to develop a wow faith. To let the Holy Spirit work in you in such a way where you develop a wow faith. Because we're not only his creation, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I love this story. I know you've heard it before. Jesus was in Capernaum, his headquarters, which is on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. It's where Peter was raised. Jesus really made his headquarters of ministry there. And a Roman centurion, a guy with tremendous authority over 80 to 100 men in the Roman army came to Jesus because his servant was sick. One of his co-workers was, was sick. And he came to Jesus in Capernaum uh, because he knew Jesus could heal his servant. Jesus says to him, hey, would you like me to come to your house and heal your servant? And this centurion had a wow faith. This is what he says. He says to Jesus, I'm not even worthy to have you come in my home. I'm not even worthy to have you step under the roof of my house. But I'm a man just like you who has authority. I say to one person, do something, and they do it. A centurion had that kind of authority. He says to Jesus, the centurion, just say the word. Just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. And no, no exaggeration here, I'll show you. Jesus says, Jesus says, wow. wow. Jesus is totally wowed by this guy's faith. So you, so you, so you, in case you think I'm, I'm exaggerating, check this out. Read it with me when we get to the red. When Jesus heard this, that is the centurion's understanding of his authority, he was amazed. Jesus was amazed by this non-Hebrew, this centurion, and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Mic drop. I mean... Total, if he had one, he probably would have. I've not seen anybody here with that kind of faith that recognizes that kind of authority that I have on this planet. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you have believed it would. Okay, Incredible. It barely gets you what you want, but it is the way to approach God. It doesn't get what you want all the time, but it is the way to approach God in, during your storm. And his servant was healed at that moment. You know, sometimes when we come to the Lord, he responds to our prayers right at that moment in a visible way that we can, we can discover. But I think he's always responding to our prayers immediately, regardless if we get the net results we're looking for. Wow. Now, here's the contrary. Here's the contrary example of a less than wow faith. 
Okay, And Jesus here is going to actually come down on his disciples. So this is, he honors a centurion whom he's met for the first time and his remarkable faith. In this narrative, he's going to show the lack of faith his disciples uh, with whom he traveled for three and a half years. He's going to look down on their faith. So here's what's happening. Jesus is on the east side of the Sea of Galilee and he's going to travel across the Sea of Galilee with a bunch of other small fishing boats, and they're making their way to Bethsaida across the sea. On their way, there's an incredible storm. Now, you have to understand, these disciples were raised on the Sea of Galilee. They got high, you know, they got high winds, high waves. They got that. But it's such a radical storm that they begin to get terrified because the, the waves are breaking over the boat. And they look down, and what's Jesus doing? Some of you know what he's doing. What's he doing? He's sleeping. In fact, the gospel writers say he's sleeping on a, or pillow. Mr. Squall comes down over the, and they're not. These guys are terrified because this tempest or squall comes down over the western mountains of the Sea of Galilee and creates just total chaos. And they come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, kind of what we do when we get really worried or fearful, don't you care? We're going to die. We're going to die. Don't you care about us? Do you not care? (laughs) See, the centurion's like, you have all authority. They're like, don't you care? Yet, you never think like that, do you? Are you you not paying attention? He's sleeping. How does he sleep? Well, he's been busy. He's sleeping, and Jesus gets up, and he says to all the winds, shh, be still, and all of a sudden, the Sea of Galilee is perfect water skiing, wakeboarding conditions, and then the wind died down, and it was completely calm, and Jesus said to his disciples what he says to us, why are you so afraid? They were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this. Why are you so afraid? Isn't this interesting? Jesus' expectation was that if he told them we're going to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, just because there's stage five hurricane weather outside, that doesn't mean we're, we're, that the plans have changed. I said we're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. Just because it's It's hurricane level five outside doesn't mean we're not still going to do what I said we're going to do. But what's our nature? He's asleep. We're going to die. What's my nature? Same thing. Freak out a little bit. A lot sometimes. Do you still have no faith? He expected them to have faith during this voyage. I think it's about a seven-mile voyage across the Sea of Galilee. He expected them to have faith during this voyage. Do you, ever, do you ever find that sometimes our kind of default mode is we just kind of expect that God would never ask us to do something that's hard. God would never allow me to experience something that takes a lot of faith. God would never push my capacity to handle stress, would he? Here, here's my point. Jesus is not adverse to you experiencing difficulty. What he's adverse to is you putting your trust in your circumstances instead of putting your trust in him. It's very personal. That's why Christianity is not just a a religion. It's a relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, even now. 
in whatever you're going through. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey him. He has authority over the human body from a distance for the centurion servant, and even the wind and the, obey, and the waves obey him. Complete authority. He wants us to trust in his authority. The question, how do we develop a faith to which Jesus says, wow, where he says, that's amazing. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus just got to sleep in that day? And the boat, it's filling up with water. Jesus is floating up close to the stern. Disciples are all, they, yeah, I don't know if they had swimming swim team back then. I don't know if they can swim or not. They probably can. Peter could. But all of a sudden, he, he wakes. What's going on, boys? Uh, we're completely, we've lost everything. That's the kind of faith I'm looking for. What do we do when we're to develop a faith which Jesus says, wow, here's what we do. We ask him to calm our storm. There's nothing wrong with approaching the master and saying, will you heal my servant? There's nothing wrong with approaching the master and saying, could you do something about this storm? Unless he's sleeping. Maybe you let him sleep. But here's what gets to be difficult for us. After asking him to calm your storm, trust in his authority to do what's right. Even if you're still uncomfortable. That's faith. Trusting in his incredible authority to do what's right. Ask him to wake up. Ask him to calm your storm. Trust in his authority. The first step in getting our wow back is recognizing that we're God's wow. The second step is letting him develop in us an amazing faith that he'll say wow to. You may be going through a circumstance right now where you're like, yeah, this storm is not calming down. Okay? Maybe you need to take a nap. Not now, but after services. Yeah, so I mean, I love, I love what Pastor Scott said there about how, you know, it's not going to be easy sometimes. This is a little bit of an action, but when we put that trust and authority over our circumstances, God, it's encouraging it to, say, to know that God says wow to that. And he's willing to put a wow on our life when we have that kind of faith. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging, but it's awesome. Um, so the first one, like, Pastor, like we just discussed, Pastor Scott said, the first one is we got to recognize that God's already put a wow on our life, right, and allow that to move us closer to God. And secondly, um, that we can have a wow faith. And so the third one we're going to be talking about is that we are God's transformational wow, right? We are God's transformational wow. Um, we read in the book of Luke, um, of, uh, at this time, Jesus was getting known a lot for hanging out with um, tax collectors if you don't know who tax collectors are in the New Testament, um, they were hated and despised by everyone. Um, think of them like the IRS, but like way worse and affected everybody. Um, just nobody liked them. Hopefully no one works at the IRS here. Not hating. Um, but, uh, and he was also getting known for hanging out a lot with um, sinners. And so uh, the Pharisees and the scribes were coming out, a.k.a. Jesus' haters. And they were coming out and they were really challenging Jesus' character. And so Jan and he has, tells this parable of um, he, he, he begins to tell his parable of how if there's a man and he has a hundred sheep and he loses one of those sheep and he's going to go out to look for it. And when he finds that sheep, he's going to bring all of his friends together and have a huge celebration for finding that one lost sheep. And he tells this parable ultimately to make this point, which we find in Luke um, chapter 15, verse 7, where it says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more, more rejoicing, rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who do not need, need to repent. repent. So, so here's why I think that's so hard for us to really believe. Is that I don't think we really understand that 
that there's nothing more God, God delights in than saving us when we're lost and when we're, when we're desperate and when we're hopeless in our sin. You know, I don't know whether you grew up um, Christian or maybe you grew up um, Catholic or maybe even grew up in a non-Christian home. Uh, maybe you know God has a standard for us to live, but we know we're not really, we mess up and we're not really up to that standard that God's supposed to have. So we just must think God's probably just sitting there just angry with us. I remember when I was in my early 20s, um, I was really growing in my relationship with God and really kind of experiencing God on a, on a deeper level than I, I, I had before. And um, as this was happening, as I was learning more about God, um, I actually started to struggle a lot more with guilt, right? Just over stuff like uh, feeling like I wasn't, you know, praying enough or just reading my Bible enough or feeling like I wasn't sharing my faith enough. And of course, if I would like mess up and stumble as I was trying to, you know, grow in this process of, um, you know, what a transformation is. And, uh, you know, almost, I just, you know, I love God, but I had this conviction that I just felt like I was just letting God down. And so I had to, I felt like I had to go and like fix those little things in my life. And then I could come to God with a clear conscience and pray to him. And um, man, what it ended up doing is it ended up really just cutting myself. I ended up cutting myself off from a growing relationship with God. Instead of inviting him into my struggles, I was trying to fix it because I had this wrong understanding of, of guilt. And I don't, I don't know, I'm sure I'm not preaching this to myself here this morning. I'm, I'm sure some of you are coming in here this morning. And maybe you feel like you do have this wrong understanding of guilt. And there's this wrong understanding of how God views us as sinners or even how God views um, us when we're in our sin. And here's why I think it's so important for all of us to remember, whether you're following God um, or you haven't yet, or maybe you're, you're, you've been following him for um, your whole life. Here, here's what's so important for us to understand is that God takes delight in our transformation, right? He's not waiting angrily on us for us needing to repent, but he waits eagerly on us because he knows of the transformation that's lying ahead for us. And I really do believe I am a testament to that. Um, like I said, you guys know I'm the youth pastor here, and um, reason is because I have a huge heart for teenagers, because for me, the, the teenage years, um, they, they wrecked me, if you will, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, they were tough, you know, they were, um, I, I faced, you know, the, the temptations and distractions and peer pressures that, you know, all teenagers face and um, pulled me just away from everything and led me down a path I didn't think I would go, um, you know, got me into partying, which leads, you know, I got into drugs and drug use, which leads to anxiety and depression and ultimately just, just full of emptiness. You know, when I, and it came to, it finally had to, when I started to wake up, I finally came to this place of realizing, you know, maybe Maybe Jesus can really offer me what I've been looking for this whole time, which is that feeling of, of fulfillment. And as I, after I made that decision, the process of the transformation that began to happen to me, it wasn't just like instantaneous. I didn't just wake up one day and like everything was all good. It was a day-by-day -day process, right, of learning to say no to those things of my old choices, not just saying no to those things, but learning to say no to those things and learning to say yes to Jesus. And when that began to happen, uh, man, I began to find this such rich, like real relationship with God that I was just so blown away. I felt like I had to tell everyone that the Savior, Jesus, was out there. Um, you know, I often like to think of it, you know, think of, think if you had a broken arm and you're walking around, you, maybe you're born with a broken arm or you broke your arm, whenever, and uh, it was giving you a lot of pain. It was causing you difficulty in life, and it was just a real nuisance, right, to have a broken arm, but you didn't know what to do to fix it. And you're walking down the street one day, and this guy steps out of this office, and he calls you in, and he says he's a doctor, and says he'll fix your arm up, so you go in there, because why not? And he actually does. He fixes your arm up, and it's stronger, and it's better than ever, and best news, he says, hey, it's free. 
and you go, all right, this is awesome. And, and then you walk out of that doctor's office and you see someone else with a broken arm. Same, same kind of thing as you had. You having a broken arm, knowing what they're going through, right? If that was me, how much of a messed up evil person would I have to be not to go up to them and be like, hey, there's a doctor's office right up there. They'll fix your arm up and it's free, you know? For, for any of us that have been impacted by Jesus, we know how great that is, right? Amen? So, so here's the point. Here's, here's the thing is um, if, you, if you haven't yet experienced, you know, what it's like to know Jesus, or if you're in a place right now where maybe you have made that decision, but you're just kind of feeling distant from God, or you don't feel like there's a wow in your life, a wow in your relationship with God, maybe you're asking the question right now, how do I experience that transformational wow, right? How can I experience that transformational wow from God? I think it's this simple. Well, not, it's not going to be simple, but I think it starts here, and it's this clear, Right? You've got to start turning to Jesus over everything else. Saying no to those things and then choosing to say yes to Jesus. And you know your life can be transformed and there's nothing more God takes delight in in that transformation. Right? He's waiting eagerly on you. Again, he's not angry, but he waits eagerly with you because he knows he wants to put that wow and that transformation on your life. Great, Zach. Yeah. Loved it. Last weekend, blessy. Uh, made a decision to be baptized uh, after second service. She said that she was raised in the church. She's from the Philippines, moved here a few years ago. But she heard uh, in the message that, hey, there's such a thing as being baptized uh, as an adult. And uh, she gave, she made that public confession out here. She's in the process of her transformation. What I, hear you, what I heard you say that really resonated with me is that God takes joy in our change, in our path, in our journey, even though our journey is not that pleasant for us sometimes. But I was thinking of the prodigal son who returned to be with his dad, and when his dad saw him, his dad ran to him. His dad was thrilled to just be with him. And that's how Jesus responds to us when we're willing, like Blessy, to say, hey, I'm going to obey, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to turn to Jesus from everything else. Even if it's the same thing we've messed it up for a hundred times over, God exactly. still goes, when you turn to me, there's something great waiting for you. So, Love it. Yeah. Great word. So some of you might be having a little pushback right now. You might be asking, hey, how can I be God's creation if I'm struggling physically? I've got a medical challenge. I've got a disability of some sort. You know, here's the deal. I think we have to understand that even the Apostle Paul couldn't heal everyone all the time. Our bodies are going to slowly decline someday. And some of us all, even though our disabilities may not be overt, we all face some disabilities because though our bodies are magnificent creations, they, this is not the ideal body God has for us, with the exception of the spouse you're married to. Some of you might be asking, hey, what if I have a hard time trusting in God's authority during a storm? This, this caught my attention. What if I just struggle trusting him? And, and sometimes, personally, I struggle knowing, am I working as hard as I can to make certain that we're moving the needle here or moving the ball here? Uh, you know, I can be pretty hard on myself. And I think there's got to be a point where you just you do the best you can and you fully trust him to make the decision as it relates to the storm. And maybe you take a nap. 
Okay? Thirdly, some of you may be saying, how is it possible that I can change this transformation that he's talked about? And your change may be, it may be just losing. You have your own step of transformation. And I think this well often quote is good as it relates to my transformation. The, the answer, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Our nature is to think, I just need to move. I just need to go to a different job. I just need to change friends. Eh, no, grow where you are. That's where the joy, that's where the peace is long-term. I can tell you that. Final thought today is there's a wow waiting for you. There is a wow waiting for you. There is a wow you have yet to experience, but that you will experience someday. You know that. All of you will have a wow someday. The writer of the book of Hebrews wrote, or Jesus rather said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. This is the wow that's waiting for all of us. The writer of Hebrews says, and help me with this, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time. Let's pause there. He will appear a second time. That's something that needs our attention. Jesus is coming back again, perhaps in our lifetime. Not to bear sin, he already dealt with that on the cross, but to bring salvation, which we can unwrap as deliverance, healing, and when you became a Christian, forgiveness, to those who are waiting for him. Here's the truth about you. The biggest wow of your existence has not yet come. The biggest wow of your existence Will, will be that moment after you die, not only will you be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will be celebrating the resurrection of you. That's the wow that's coming. I love C.S. Lewis's wordsmithing of this reality, of, to, to what Zach said about us being the wow of God's creation. If you don't catch anything, listen to this brilliant wordsmithing on who we are. C.S. Lewis writes in The Weight of Glory, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal whores, or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play. But our merriment merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the onset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. I love this line. There are no mere mortals. We all are going to live forever, all of us. The person sitting next to you is no mere mortal. They're extraordinary. The question is, where are our coworkers, our neighbors, our beloved going to spend eternity? God did everything he could to provide his gracious gift of his son. We're moving in on the... the um, the season where we celebrate his son, it's his substitutionary death that has made it possible for all of us to have all of our sins taken care of. 
and to enter into the joy of transformational living. This is what will help us get our well back. Maybe today for you, you need to make a commitment to wake up and repeat, I praise you because I am fearfully and you need to say that. That needs to, you need to really own that. I'm amazing. Now, don't say that out loud. It gets a little awkward socially, okay? But maybe that's your step today. Maybe yours is to ask him to calm your storm. Trust in his authority. And you maybe saw the verse up earlier. Be still and know that he's God. That's how you're going to develop the kind of faith you need to have. And maybe for you and where you're at in life, even if you're a Christian, you really need to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and though you die, yet you'll live. And your family needs to hear that message in the next few months. And maybe what needs to be prioritized as well related to your transformation is turning to Jesus over everything. You know, the psalmist said, there is nothing I desire besides you, Psalm 73. The earth and the heaven has nothing I desire besides you, God. The nearness of God is my good. Him alone is enough. I'm rich because of Christ. Let's take a moment and pray together, can we? If you're here today and you're like, I, I needed to be reminded that God says wow of his creation. I needed to be reminded today that God says wow as it relates to my coworker, as it relates to my friend, as it relates to my neighbor. God says wow. He's amazed at his creation. If you needed to hear that today, if you needed to, to start moving towards honoring others, as God's creation, and honoring yourself as God's creation. Why don't you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I needed to hear that. People really matter to God. He's wild. If you're here today and you needed to hear that God wants a faith in me that is not based on my circumstances, but is based on his authority, and I need to start really trusting in him. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to hear that you're being challenged to have faith in tough circumstances is what God's expecting out of you. Raise your hand if that spoke to you today. Okay, a few of you. Finally, how about you and this maybe frustration with your own transformation? The idea that God takes great joy. The angels rejoice in the steps you take towards following Jesus Christ. You needed to hear that God loves you that he joyously celebrates the steps you're taking to move closer to Jesus. You needed that encouragement. Raise your hand if that's you. Many of you. I wonder if today also there are some of you that would say, I've never believed that Jesus was the resurrected one. That though I die, yet I'll live if I believe this message. That Jesus is coming again. I want to be ready. You've never made a decision to become a Christian, but today you're ready. If that's you, why don't you just repeat this prayer after me? Just say, God, today I believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Right from where you're seated, God, I believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And though I die someday, I want the hope of knowing yet I shall live. Please forgive me of all my sins. I am willing to make Jesus the leader of my life. 
And if that was your prayer for the very first time, I want to celebrate your decision. Would you just raise your hand from where you're seated and say, yeah, I did that today. Today's my day. Praise the Lord, ma'am. Anybody else? Say yes to Christ today. Today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. Help us be distributors of the hope that it conveys. In Jesus' name, amen.